Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. Chip, how you doing this morning? Hey, doing real well. How you doing, Casey? Oh man, good to be back in the U.S. Here, man, had a had a couple technical difficulties between the, both of us trying to run each other down the last couple weeks here. So it's good to talk to you again, man. Yeah, back in the USA. Yeah, they let me through customs, so I'm. I'm surprised, but they uh, they let me back in the country, so things are things are looking up. I was gonna have to spend the night in uh, in the Denver uh, airport trying to get through customs there, but no, they let me right through. So good times, good times. That's a good thing. <laughs> when they let you back in, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So, all right, man, lots of stuff going on here. You know, we we got the China talks where we're gonna you know not escalate anything, but nothing came out of it, so it's kind of back to where we've been. You know. But we're still, you know, we're talking, so we've got two weeks away, right? That's how it works, right? Every every time they start a new conversation, we got two weeks till the deal gets struck. So um, that whole thing's going on. And then we've got uh, on last Friday here that crop report came out and uh, planted acres report came out that seemed to throw the uh, market into a bit of a whirl here. So talk about that report a little bit and kind of give me your opinion on what you see happening there. Yeah, well, that's um, quite a controversy, uh, it, it, it appears. Um, there's nothing, it seems like there's nothing easy uh, when it comes to these acreage reports. It's kind of been my uh, my hot button for many years. Um, if there's one thing that they need to fix, in my opinion, it's the way, the timing and the way they do acreage reports. But, um, you know, kind of like you, that I'm, I sit by my phone every day waiting for yeah. uh, Washington to call me and and get my advice on this and and it and it doesn't ring so uh, yeah you know i'm just one one uh, another of millions of mouths and and voices that uh, they go unheard but yeah. uh so regardless we had the um the june acreage report uh what makes it even tougher this year is the you know historic late plantings that that we had so this report was data collected the first half of june um, farmer survey data. <clears throat> and, you know, at that point in time, especially the Eastern Corn Belt, we really didn't know. I mean, the first 10 days of June was just nothing but rain. I mean, literally every day. So, um, the, the controversy or the discrepancy here is, um, number one, the, the, they came out at 91.7 million acres of corn. That was down a million acres from the March report. Um, the bean number was 80 million acres. That was way lower than expected. Um, something like uh, four, almost 5 million uh, below the March report. So you combine those together, it was less acres. So the immediate snap reaction was that this report included prevent plant acres, um, although there was nothing specifically on the surveys that ask about prevent plant. It is simply what do you intend to plant? How many acres of corn and how many acres of beans? Uh, so the market's quick knee-jerk reaction was that, you know, there's way less. The intentions on corn were going to be way higher 
and the prevent plants in there, and we're going to end up at 91.7. That's not the way I read it, and the issue is that we, we may not know till the January crop report, uh, realistically. But they are going to resurvey, um, not farmer survey. They go out and actually take objective, uh, they, they physically look at sections of ground um, and, and say, all right, what, what, is this planted corn, is this planted beans, is it not planted at all? Um, and so that's good. That data is going to be released on the August crop report. So we've got two months to wait for that. Um, my take on it is, is this, um, it couldn't possibly have taken into account all the prevent plant couldn't possibly have, because that decision was still being made at that point in time. And there was a lot of corn that was planted, um, post June 15th after the, that data was collected. I'm not saying it didn't include some of the uh, prevent plant, but um, so that's the discrepancy. The market uh, has had a huge swing lower. I don't know what we are, almost 40 cents off the highs um, in, uh, in corn here, all uh, really in a massive range that uh, on Friday's um, day, just from low to high, one of the biggest ranges in corn we've had in years and years and years. And um, so that's the discrepancy. That's the fight. Right now, one side of the market thinks um, it's all going to be fine and, you know, rain makes grain now and 91.7 million acres got planted and we're going to have um, plenty of corn, no no shortage. Um, I'm probably in the other camp thinking that, okay, 91.7 is the start. Still going to have several million acres off of that. And there's just no way on God's green earth that we're going to hit a 166 yield. And that yield number has is yet to come down, and we're still going to have a really tight carryout. So all that means is you better get ready for some extreme volatility uh, going forward. Yeah. And not that we haven't seen it already. So this thing is just uh, really frustrating um, because it, eventually you would think that the RMA, farmers have to certify their acres on uh, by July 15th. How many acres of corn? How many acres of beans? They, they also have to turn in, you know, how many acres of prevent plant they're going to take. So at a certain point in time here, come August, September, the RMA, which is, you know, division of the USDA, is should be able, in my brain, simple brain, country boy, uh, simple math, should be able to push a button on the computer and tell you to do the half acre, how many acres of corn were planted, how many acres of beans were planted, how many acres of prevent plant were there. Uh, unfortunately, the, the division of the USDA that puts out the crop reports and the acreage reports, it don't really communicate very well, if at all, with the RMA part of the, of the USDA. Shocker. So right. it's not as simple as what you'd think, and we're going to fight this. My, my point is, it's frustrating now. It's going to be frustrating until the January crop report when they put out what is the they won't change it after that this is what was planted this is what was harvested this is what the yield was yeah so, so we got several months of uh fun and games here okay so how how our um crop tours are going to start happening here pretty quick you know you're going to start looking at the uh <coughs> pro farmer crop tour and those kind of things are going to start making their way through the countryside here before too long and when they get out to my neck the woods out here um you know we're we got corn that's two foot tall that should be four and a half foot tall and um it's i mean 
we're, we're I think we're going to be pushing a tight a tight frost window this year, tighter than we've ever pushed before. Um, I'm anticipating a just looking at long term forecasts, and you know, already can sit there and say nobody can predict the weather in the next five minutes, much less three three months out. But these weather models that they've put out here over the last um, thirty days, um, all through the spring, all through the summer, have have been fairly accurate as far as you know overall temperature goes and moisture and those kind of things go. So um what i'm seeing right now is july is supposed to be cooler than than normal um which isn't good uh it tells me that we're going to be uh, you know pollinating corn sometime in august instead of of in july um which i guess what i'm getting at here is i think that we're probably 30 days behind schedule and i mean it's yeah and it's a field by field thing you know obviously but um you take a look what see what's out there it's 30 days off so when you start these these crop tours and stuff that are going to start coming out that's, that's going to have a huge effect on on the market when those especially with the traders when they're looking at it and they're going to say hey look we're 30 days behind schedule average frost dates are x we're going to be putting this stuff right up right up to the to the frost date to, to make this crop happen that's going to you got to think that's going to start making some effect on on the overall marketplace i mean am i am i wrong there or do you think that's is that a pipe dream well it's tough. Um, it's, it's really tough. It will eventually, but uh, the market play, you have to understand the, all the participants in, in the market, right? There's a huge speculative, um, uh, you know, part of, of the market right. funds. A lot of these uh, funds are, you know, in, in Chicago or New York city or London or Hong right. Kong. Right. Um, they don't tra- they trade technically, they listen to the fundamentals, but they don't know the fund. They don't know the, the agronomy side. Um, and, and so the market is just like the, the, the spring weather, right? Your farmers are saying like, what is going on? Why isn't corn rallying? We're, you know, it's got our two thirds of our yearly rainfall in three weeks, you know, and there's no way we're going to plan on time. Right. And yep. It just took forever. Eventually you are right. It, it will uh, have an effect, but uh, in the meantime, it is just, really hard for the market to wrap its arms around um, what is really going on in the field. And they kind of take a, an assumption of uh, everything's going to be okay until you prove to us that it's not. And which kind of circles back around into these crop condition reports. Every Monday we get a crop condition report and it's, it's subjective for one, there's really very little correlation between crop conditions and final yields it's kind of a beauty contest right? and that's a whole nother issue. Right. So you drive by some fields out here, <clears throat> they look okay. You know, um, they've kind of hit some nitrogen. They're growing, uh, you know, they're maybe a foot tall and, uh, you're like, Oh, that's a pretty good looking field of corn, but it doesn't crop conditions. Don't take into account where we're at on the calendar. Right. You look right. at it. It's great. If it were May 18th, May 20th, May 23rd, <laughs> right. it's July 2nd. Right. And yeah. so, and like you said, it's, it's all in there, right? Are we going to beat a frost? I don't know. Um, th- that's going to be a race against the clock. Are we, um, are we even going to get there? Right. So we're, we're way behind out here on growing degree units. Yeah. Um, now it's been pretty hot for the last few days, but you don't five days and 90 degrees doesn't catch you up, you know, like 200 growing degree units, um, you know, in the snap of a finger. Right. And then last half of July here is supposed to be back cool. Like it has been. 
So, I, yeah, there's all kinds of questions out there agronomically. Um, I don't think you've even begun to see the problems. When you, it just seems like when you plant that late in that poor of conditions, it just starts the cycle of, of everything. You know, number one, how much nitrogen did we lose with all the rain? Number two, mm-hmm. how much more money are guys going to throw at this thing? Are they going to are going to throw the pocketbook at it to try to you know push it along, or how many millions of acres got put in just for crop insurance? All the compaction issues, uh, you know, plant health. You have poor plant health. Now all of a sudden you start having disease and insect issues. It's just like a a comedy of errors when it starts this late and we haven't even begun to see the final effects of that. So I agree with everything you said. It's just the mar. It may take the market a while to figure out what we intuitively know if we're out there driving by fields and, and walking fields and you know, the problems are there the the market can't grasp just yet. Um, and, and I think that's what's happening in beans, right? They look and say, well, you know, the USDA, saying we're going to have a 49 and a half bushel yield. And I mean, the market has no clue on that. There's areas of Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio right now that they can't plant. I mean, it literally rains every three days. There's no rain in the forecast, you know, maybe 20% chance. And this big old afternoon thunders cloud comes through and, you know, dumps seven tenths of an inch of rain in 15 minutes with 60 mile an hour winds and some hail. And it just, it comes across the same, same path. So there are literally areas that, I, mean, I personally think there's going to be a couple million acres of prevent plant beans, but the market can't grasp its arms around that because it's never happened. You know, we've right. always got the beans in the ground. Well, yeah. this is maybe the one year that that we're not going to. And there's just no way I will take a serious bet on an under 49 and a half. So you, you use 80 million acres of beans like the USDA told us last Friday and take four or five bushels off the national average yield. And all of a sudden, you don't have a billion bushel carryout. You have a 450 million bushel carryout. And, but the market isn't, the market's just still thinking, you know, life's great. We, well, these farmers are doing a great job. We're going to get these beans in and planted July 3rd. And, you know, they're going to be 70 bushels. In reality, they, they might be 15 bushels if they beat a frost right. in the areas, you know, that are the wettest. So, the market just doesn't get agronomically what's going on. It will eventually, but it may take some time. And, you know, we're going to have a real bumpy roller coaster uh, ride along the way. So the, the straight up move was was fun and, and easy, but now it's going to just get really frustrating and chew everyone's money up. Whether you're long or short, you're going to be in for a, for a long ride. summer. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's plenty of that's just that's just crazy. So all right, so wheat harvest has started. Um it's been going for the last couple of weeks, you know, further south you get up here, it's eastern, southern eastern Colorado and over into Kansas, uh looks like they're firing up the combines, getting ready to cut some wheat over there. So what's the effect on the wheat market with all the with all the rain that we've seen here late and uh, some of these cool temperatures when it when it was time to uh to start heading that heading the wheat out so what what are you seeing happen right now in the marketplace and how's that affecting what you see uh, in the overall markets yeah you've had a little bit of um a little bit of everything in this wheat market uh, so far yields have been uh reported you know better than expected so i think we have some really strong yields out there in some areas i don't know if those very wettest areas have quite been tested yet to get a feel for you know, what some of those massive rains are like kind of on the Eastern side, you know, like right. Eastern Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Eastern Kansas, um, you know, that area. Um, if we have a real good feel for that yet, but generally, you know, the further West, uh, the reports are, are pretty good on yields. That's been pressuring us a little bit. 
you've had some really hot, record hot temperatures in parts of Europe, um, uh, France. So there's a little concern maybe about about their wheat crop there. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, yields have been pretty good. That's pressured us a little bit. The funds are now out of this massive um, short position that they've had for literally three plus years. Uh, back um, got long, and now after last Friday and and yesterday, probably back to a, a an even, maybe slightly um, short position. So a lot of this is going to have to do with the funds. Um, some talk about next year, looking out ahead. They've taken some of the carry out of this market that was that was in there. And, you know, are we high enough to stimulate the acres uh, that, that we need? And, and it, which is a whole other issue, right? You, you hit on it earlier. We're not going to, I mean, we literally are at least four weeks behind here, if not five. Um, and, and that could slip more if we don't start getting, you know, some consistent warm days. And so are we even going to plant um, you know, in some of these areas, I know over here, we don't really count on wheat, but, um, I don't know. I mean, if you don't literally start picking corn until the first or the fifth or the eighth of November, pretty quickly, you're going to run out of, you know, your window to plant wheat. And, um, so that hasn't even hit the market yet either. Our price is high enough to stimulate, uh, acreage. There's a lot of things going in the wheat market, but first and foremost is, is this big harvest we have. Got to get through that, and it looks like yields are pretty good. But uh, it's such a world market, and, and wheat is going to be a big follower to corn. If corn has another run higher, that'll help you know drag the wheat market along with it. So it, it's not as easy as it seems that a oh, big crop, we're just going to puke back uh, down to the low and, and put new contract lows in in wheat. There's a lot of other factors in there that um, may help cushion a little bit of a blow from a big crop here. Yeah, that's uh, when I was in Ukraine, it was... You know, they had, the crops looked pretty good. I mean, the wheat looked pretty good. They'd, they'd cut some stuff over there, but it was hot. It was, it was hot, like 95 degrees. Uh, when the when some of the the northern edge of the country, it was still pretty green. So it's not necessarily a good time to have those kind of temperatures pumping through there. Plus, what's happening in Russia with some with some drought issues they're having over there, and obviously Australia has become a drought. Yeah, that was a big like. a big area of heat in that uh, you know European and Black Sea area. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I way over 100 in France. I mean, there's talking record record highs. Yeah. They have records a long ways <laughs> in that yeah. part of the world. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it was hot. Yeah, it got pretty warm. Okay, so cattle complex. Take a look at that. Um, man, the uh, hog market is just the it kind of turned back into the little engine that could. But it's not it's not getting very far. So it's there's still some struggles there. We've had a had a run up there, and I, I kind of thought after the the whole Mexico UMCA thing kind of got somewhat conned back down. There'd be some some more positive stuff there um, in hogs, but here of late, it just doesn't seem like they can get some traction they need. Yeah, that's been uh, it's been a little bit of a head scratcher there for sure. A uh, lot of lot of stuff going on. We had a hogs and pigs report, <clears throat> quarterly hogs and pigs report last week. Uh, we kind of got through that pretty well. Um, some big numbers uh, in certain areas, um, you know, different weight classes. Uh, they break that down to like uh, six or eight different categories. So a couple of the numbers were a little on the high side. And we are expanding, but the market knew that. That's probably the biggest issue uh, of why we're keeping the, the lid on prices. It seems like a never-ending expansion in, um, in, in pork production here domestically. Uh, so that's keeping a little bit of a lid. 
we did see a pretty good reaction yesterday to this China news. Um, you had two things, actually. Over the weekend, there was a, a story out in the financial, I think it was a Reuters story, um, uh, but don't quote me on that, but it's out in all the financial uh, sectors of uh, the reality of uh, African swine fever in China is uh, probably twice as bad as what initially thought up to half their breeding stock is, is gone. Um, so it's a bad deal. That probably gave us some support. And then, you know, the resumption, or at least the, the pause in the trade war here, um, we had a pretty good day yesterday in, in hogs. Some of those deferreds were, uh, you know, close to limit up and um, maybe starting to turn the corner here a little bit. China's still taking um, pork. They've had a, a couple week delay here, but they still are regularly in our export sales for, for taking pork. Um, and so eventually I think we'll catch some traction here and, and see some, some rallies in the hog market. It might come at weird times. Usually we're rallying, you know, into July and August, and then you fall off into the fall because of this China thing. It may throw off the normal cycle. And, you know, we're kind of weak here in a period where we should be seeing some strength into July and, and maybe the, the uh, strongest market comes in the, in the fall and winter, which would be really odd for the, uh, for the hog market. So um, I, I think that you're going to be well supported long as China continues to fight African swine fever and take U.S. pork products. I think there's going to be um, the potential to rally this thing and possibly sharply. Cattle are just another story. Um, they're frustrating as well. And they've had a big break here really over the last uh, couple of months. And the, the funds had, a, I think, near record long position. They're pretty well out of that. We're in a new month, new quarter. We're greatly discounted from where the um, the cash market is on these deferreds. And I think that you got a, a, a fair amount of buying underneath of us that um, will we'll support the cattle market. But we need to see the cash market get up and, and rally a little bit, which there's some hints of that finally starting to happen now. Um, I, I think you got limited downside in, in cattle. That's just due to the fact that some of these deferred uh, contracts are way under where cash has been. And if you can kind of see a little bump higher and, and maybe get back up into the uh, 116, 118, 120 cash range, um, you could see a nice little rally uh, in cattle. But we're probably pretty fairly priced. I don't know that you have to go run into, you know, 130, 140. I don't know that you got to see the bottom fall of cattle and go down to 85 or 90. You could probably see a range of, um, you know, this being on the low side, you know, low 100, 102, 105 on the on the low side and, and maybe 115, 118 on the high side and maybe be in that range for a little while here. And, and that probably would be the, the best of both worlds. But uh, corn price is going to have a big run on that. They've had a, a real negative effect on, on feeders. And, um, you know, that's the one thing that I, I think cattle feeders are really taking advantage of this break in corn prices getting some stuff locked in uh, at what maybe could uh, end up being uh, a, a bargain here when it's all said and done, especially if we continue to have problems with, with corn yields going into uh, harvest. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. There's a, uh, there's a fair amount of folks out there right now that are scrambling to uh, for silage that are, that are buying um, corn for silage. That's quite a, quite a distance from where they would normally buy it from just trying to find that, 
those fields to buy. So it's going to be interesting to see how the cattle market and the corn market and have that correlation and what that looks like here uh, long term. So that's uh, yeah, that's that did be- help. You know that they <laughs> relaxed some of the the silage um, haylage issues on prevent plant acres and, and allowing farmers to go in there and being able to harvest. Um, you know, some silage off of some, some of those cover crops and, and, and other uh, crops. So that will help the cattle guy. And, and that mm. was, you know, probably a good, a good thing, um, a big picture. So it'll at least expand the, uh, you know, the, the silage part a little bit and maybe allow for a, you know, some uh, more available feed access. Uh, may have to, like you said, go further away. I know a lot of guys over here in Illinois and Indiana are going to start doing that. Well, we don't have a lot of cattle over here. We have some, some dairies, but nothing like you guys in the Western Corn Belt. So, going to be some transportation, uh, yeah, logistical issues and getting um, getting hay and silage where it needs to be this this fall. That trucking's cheap too. It's it's really really cheap to get something trucked. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, Chip. Talk about it. Well, especially in Illinois, you know, we oh, just yeah. we just started paying uh, nineteen cents more a gallon for gas uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. So that's the privilege of. Being in Illinois, Casey. Yeah. Well, you guys got to fill you gotta, up. If you if you ever need to come to Illinois for anything, you bring, just better fill up uh, before you get here. Maybe carry a bring a gas can. Pull along, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pull along a trailer, uh, a tanker mm-hmm. with you. <laughs> to get across so you the get state. To yeah. Well, you guys have all the fun there. So when you, you know you got all the all That's the good things great. going over there. All right, Chip, talk about it all the time. Folks working on a plan, and they got one they want to put together, and they want to have you check it out. How would they do that? Yeah, just give us a call. 309-550-7213 is our office. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, the last uh, probably four trading days illustrates the importance of having a plan. And uh, the market's going to do things that you might not expect it or that you think uh, it's impossible to do. And sometimes it's got a mind of its own. So this volatility is is it's a good thing, really. It's uh, if you have a plan and you can maneuver through it. If you don't have a plan... Man, it is uh, it's hairy out there. So we'd yep. love to chat with you. Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely a uh, you need you need a good a good map that you can kind of track your way across. And having that plan is what's going to get you there. So, well, folks, make sure you guys tune into uh, Global Ag Network. Check out uh, obviously here Moving Iron Podcast. Check out Dryline Farmer Podcast with uh, Brent Carlson and and uh, and Landon over there. And also check out uh, Angie Setzers who will be here on Fridays. Uh, her her podcast girls talk ag and also uh, check out a new one just came out uh, hot rod farmer podcast he has a uh, podcast called uh idle chatter so it's a it's a good one to check out and uh it's if you're looking at how to uh, kind of get some tips on how to repair your stuff and just general maintenance on your farm equipment check it out it's a good one to uh to check out so chip till next time have a good one we'll talk again next week okay sounds great in the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here